Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. My name is Duncan Clark, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're taking a trip to Canada, to Montreal to be precise, to join Peter Bole, former Senior Strategic Procurement Manager at Air Canada, who, following over 25 years at the organisation, has a wealth of experience in areas including strategic sourcing, category management, and supplier management. So I'm excited that Peter can join us today, and that we have the privilege of being able to hear at least some of his extensive knowledge from the field. So welcome, Peter, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Duncan. It's a pleasure to be with you today on this fine, lovely Tuesday afternoon for me and evening for you. And for a change, it's a sunny evening here in the UK as well. So to get us started then, I'd love to know a little bit more about your backstory, your involvement in procurement and supply chain. How did it all start for you? So really, it it began uh, over 40 years ago uh, as a summer job. Uh, My neighbor used to manage a, a local company. Uh, that supported the mining and and construction industry, a company called Associated Industrial Rubber. And he came knocking on my door one day and asked what I was doing uh, for the summer. And I just nonchalantly replied, well, I'll, you know, like usual, I'll do some swim team, play some ball hockey and uh, have some fun running around the neighborhood with friends. And he says, no, no. He says, you're going to start in the warehouse uh, tomorrow. I said, okay, great. So, you know, really that's where um, my introduction to to the full circle of the business world, started working in a warehouse, receiving, shipping, packing, uh, and then I moved up uh, through the ranks in that company, continued some education, got a three-year diploma with a business admin finance major, and moved on into their into their front office as uh, their, their purchasing manager. And uh, that's really where, the, where it all began back in 1982, 83-ish. And what attracted you then to the area of supply chain and procurement in aviation specifically? And with the 25 years at Air Canada, what for you made it such an interesting and rewarding career? Well, again, uh, fell into Air Canada with uh, with the previous company. They had been bought and sold a couple times over, and then I became uh, redundant. As a more senior purchasing uh, manager took over the position. So I became on employed and put an application in Air Canada to start in supply accounts, which is basically payables. Uh, so, you know, I've always, I've always marveled at, uh, at airlines and, and flight in, in general. My dad used to have a, a warehouse that backed up onto the airport at Montreal airport. And he used to stand there for hours watching the planes come in, go out, come in, go out, and always wondered where they went. And it would be pretty cool one day if I could actually get a job within an airline and you know that eventually came true I started in January of 95 and then went on till uh, last May uh, 2020 upon my retirement and really it's a fascinating fascinating business because as as passengers we walk up to an airport we check in our luggage uh, we get onto a plane we get through customs we land and we head to wherever we're going but seeing it from the backside is it's not at all what you experience as a passenger supporting that entity definitely with so much going on behind the scenes it's uh, it's fascinating to get that insight into what's what's really going on uh, and there's so much that, uh, that that you don't realize as you say as a as a passenger um and then 
from the procurement perspective, um, with those sort of two decades plus in the industry, obviously uh, history can can teach us something. So we can look back at the past to to learn the lessons. And I'd be interested in your view with with that experience on some of the key changes that you've seen over the last two decades. And of course, we're seeing procurement now um, being thought of in a more strategic way than perhaps it has in the past. So I wondered if that's something that you'd seen change within the uh, within the field. And is it going far enough or is there still work there to do in, in your view? It's a fascinating question because, you know, when I first started in procurement and logistics supply chain 40 years ago, it was purely tactical. There, there were some strategic relationships that were set up uh, even 40 years ago with the key suppliers that we had for the hose, fitting, belting, rubber. Uh, but for a lot of it, it was just meeting a customer's need, go out, source the product, buy it, receive it, repackage it and ship it. Uh, very early on at Air Canada in 99, we we established a strategic purchasing organization, which then transformed into strategic procurement, where we were already previously organized under category management uh, with within the respective areas of the aircraft types, uh, common raw material, which are basically the, the nuts, bolts, screws, and all of the materials to do the repair of the aircraft. And then on a separate side, we had a a team that was, which I was part of, that managed the ground support, basically uh, airport operations from tow, to the tow trucks and uh, the facility maintenance and aircraft maintenance side of the business. So we we were already pretty much along the way down the road 25 years ago, and I don't know if it was just different for Air Canada. And I, and I, uh, as time went on, I learned that we were a little bit ahead of the curve than other air, airlines, even as big as United Airlines and American Airlines, when we created a company called Aero Exchange, which is headquartered in Dallas, which was a B2B company set up for airlines to purchase and and do their business through the web on through one portal. So the suppliers were all hooked into it, and then the airlines could hook out from it. So we didn't have to now figure out how to communicate with all the different IT systems out there. Aero Exchange was responsible for that. We set that up, uh, it's 21 years ago now. So, you know, from an airline standpoint, Air Canada and its partners, we we're pretty, pretty forward thinking for quite some time. We've come a long way uh, and data is still, still the challenge. We just recently started Air Canada with uh, SAP Ariba. Three years ago, the journey began. So they're, they're making their way along. Um, not without its pains and its challenges, but it's it's definitely progressing uh, from where we were 25 years ago. And data sort of comes up still as uh, one of the major pain points. Why do you think that is in terms of it's been identified as a problem for, for the long term? Um, are we getting closer to being able to resolve some of that? I think we're starting to get there. Uh, it's a lot of it is is the transitioning of IT systems within companies over the years, uh, different ways of classifying uh, a bucket, for example. Somebody calls it a pail, somebody calls it a container, another guy calls it a bucket, and it's spread across the country. We had not too dissimilar a problem at Air Canada when we went from one ERP system to another ERP system, and all of the, the data that was in the previous system just simply got ported over into the new system and 
we had bases in Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, Vancouver. Each of those buying districts had a different way of classifying their product that they were purchasing to support their specific facility. Uh, as, as technology emerges and moves forward, it's becoming easier to manage, uh, easier to implement. It's just not, it, it's, it's very costly to implement and then cleaning that data then costs money. And when, when CFOs or CEOs look at the procurement supply chain logistics side of it, I think they're now finally coming to the realization that we are at a time where there is value being driven through the organizations, through procurement, and that a little bit more funding needs to be provided to those, to those teams in order to effectively lead the company into a successful future. And I'd be interested to know um, how you feel that aviation compares to other industries as well. Um, what are the some of the key similarities and differences that, that you see? <laughs> Another really good question. You know, we, we, every, every supply chain is unique to its industry. Automotive, for example, years ago switched to a just-in-time. So when the supply chain breaks down, like we've seen recently on computer chips, they have all the bits and pieces that they need to build a car. They have no computer chip to initiate the car. So one little part has now broken down the entire delivery and production of cars. Not too dissimilarly with airlines, we, we have hundreds and thousands of parts that go into an aircraft that have to be serviced. Uh, there's capital parts, there's expendable parts. And if one, one small piece of that is not functioning on a minimum equipment list, then the aircraft sits on the ground I think really uh, procurement professionals, the number one trait that they can find in, in an individual to hire into a procurement organization or any organization is really one of curiosity and change and, and to break the mold on how we've always done things. There's, there's a very easy way to, to fall and be complacent and say, we've always done it this way, we've always done it that way. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to to step outside that box and say, look, I got this idea. What do you think? Absolutely. And uh, this kind of links to my next question, actually, some of the, the factors that you mentioned there. I'd be interested in your view on some of the biggest challenges that you see facing procurement leaders and, and CPOs today. Is it, you mentioned data previously, is it the data or is it, would you say, the, the people's skills or is it something else that's that's top of the agenda at the moment? At the moment, I would say it has to be available capital. There, there's a lot of industries and a lot of companies that are struggling to stay alive. Uh, they're, they're using any capital that they have in cash reserves just to remain in business. They've skinnied up their organizations and, and really trying to get that buck. So it, it's, it becomes a harder business case to sell today to say, look, I need two, three, four, five, six million dollars to put in a new a new uh, information data system in order to improve our benefits and the return on investment it's not exactly six months on on large numbers so the roi is a challenge um, the available assets and the capital is a challenge and then sometimes it's not having the right people in the right place but for the most part uh, really it's it's about relationships building relationships within your within your company and your external um, suppliers to to really benefit 
uh, from synergies and leverage uh, efficiencies within within the organization. And obviously, um, there's many new people entering the, the industry today, and there are differences from where we were at uh, a couple of decades ago. Just thinking about the, the people aspect, are there specific skills or attributes that future procurement professionals should really focus on? So what, what advice would you give for people who are entering the profession today? You know, there, there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, to learn and educate. The programs um, are far, far further ahead than they were 25, 30 years ago. There's a lot of education to be had. Uh, you know, the, the biggest part of, of any personal skills that you can have is, is listening for comprehension. Listen to a question, listen to a conversation, and, and take a moment to fully comprehend what's being asked prior to responding. So, you know, a pregnant pause, as we like to say, is not a bad thing. It does actually show people that you are listening. Um, reuse some of the information that they've asked you in your response so that they can really key in on the fact that they heard what you said. And then feedback. Feedback is, a, is, is, a, is an incredible tool to push forward any and all learning, whether it's good, bad, uh, or, or indifferent, but to provide effective, timely feedback is a, is a key learning tool. And then there's, there's also simply just human factors, recognition, recognize people for the good work that they do, how they do it. Uh, you know, a pat on the back is a, is a great motivator for anybody within any organization, but really the, the key are the, are the tools that are available through the internet, through LinkedIn. I mean, that's how we, that's how we hooked up and we met and we're having this conversation today. Be curious, push boundaries and, and, Look for connections that will help other people as well as yourself move forward. And actually, on that subject of um, pushing boundaries, of course, one of the things that procurement needs to do is ensure that it can articulate the wider value that it brings to an organization. Um, and I guess from that perspective, how can procurement make that case? You mentioned about investment, but that needs people to be able to put the case forward what's the best way that procurement professionals could do that work with your work with your customers and understand what your customers needs are and then present a value proposition that's aligned with their needs at the same time maintaining a a total negotiated benefit it's not always about this is a cheaper cost this is a cheaper cost or maybe a better value in spending more money on a product that brings greater satisfaction and customer retention, which in turn solidifies your balance sheet. Uh, procurement professionals have always, I won't say always, but for, for the most part have been, have been seen as it's all about the bottom line. Uh, we have to save a penny, have to save a penny. Sometimes spending an extra buck brings significantly greater value to the overall satisfaction level of a customer and really it's our customer our our partners that bring the value to the company and keeps the company moving forward absolutely and actually on that point about uh, bringing value to customers and also to partners are you seeing technology impacting the ability for organizations to be able to to bring that value to customers and partners what 
changes are you seeing in terms of technology and data and how it's impacting procurement? Technology is, is providing us more timely data. If we have the right, and it really starts with what are you looking to get out of technology in order to improve your business value going forward? There's There are a lot of different uh, platforms out there. There's a lot of different companies offering it. Some of it sounds very much the same. Some of it is very different. But really, you need to start with the what you would like as a, as a best outcome and then adapt and move towards that in the long run. So really data availability helps us understand where we're at. You know, years ago, you're, you're moving a product from point A to point B, you crossed your fingers and you hoped it arrived. Today we have real time tracking with GPS, uh, with chips that you can add to your shipment, you attach it to the side of a box or inside of a box and you can literally watch it travel across the country. So it, it does, does help improve the the communication process with your with your customer. And that's the biggest part, communication, uh, relationships, relationship matters matter. You know, developing those bonds and those strengths and being having integrity and having that conversation with your customer, whether it's a good conversation or one that starts with, we have a problem, Houston, but here's some possible solutions that I have. You know, we will always get through challenging times together with strong relationships. And we've seen this a little bit with the impact of, uh, of COVID. Um, and we've seen some of these trends actually accelerated uh, by the pandemic. And I was just wondering more generally, have you seen relationships uh, with suppliers improve? So those relationships between organization organizations and suppliers um, where organizations are, are looking at suppliers more as equals or as innovative partners, uh, where there's more collaboration and that type of activity? You know, I can't speak to it firsthand because I, I have been retired for a little while now. Uh, but what I can talk to is that the relationships between suppliers are something that I, I focused on pretty much my entire career and, and building a strong trust, building a good bond, um, ensuring that we're at arm's length and moving forward for mutual benefit. You know, when we, when we filed for bankruptcy protection in 2004 as Air Canada, it was, it was the fact that we had so many strong relationships in the marketplace that we were able to leverage them, stay, stay uh, afloat and keep the company moving forward, carrying our passengers along all the while that we were restructuring. And, you know, unfortunately, obviously in any restructuring process, there are, there are more losers than winners because uh, typically you come out paying 10 cents on the dollar of debt. Uh, so really having fostered strong, strong relationships allowed us to keep product coming in and leverage those suppliers and add more business into their bucket so that in the long term, when we emerged, they would recover their losses and then some. And there were some suppliers that simply said, no, you know, it's it's cash. Uh, or we're not servicing you anymore. And then unfortunately, those suppliers, uh, through their own decisions, no longer were a supplier. It's just how things went at the, in those days. And then my, my final question on this topic, and I, I'm really interested to hear your answer on, on this, given your experience in the field. What's the most innovative thing that you've seen in procurement or supply chain most recently? Really, it's the, it's the tracking. I, I think it, I think 
our ability, and again, it costs money, but it's our ability that if you want to know exactly and have absolute clarity on where your product is through the entire delivery cycle, you can spend a few dollars and you can put a chip into your box and you can watch it come to you. You can GPS track it live the entire way. You know, from 20 years ago when we established Aero Exchange, that was cutting edge, B2B business through one connection to all of your suppliers. And really, we, I, I have, I've been very fortunate to have been part of a company that was extremely forward looking decades ago prior to everybody else trying to catch up. And I see it often on podcasts and discussions that are, where they're, they're today talking about how we need to generate relationships with our suppliers in order to succeed. If you're trying to generate those relationships today to succeed, you've already failed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd be interested finally to know what's next for, for you, Peter. What's your uh, next priorities or, or projects that you're working on? Well, um, you know, at home, I've got to uh, I've got to build a nice sunroom in my backyard. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, you know, I'm, I'm really after 40 years of working, uh, I've I've. I've thought a little bit and I'm not in uh, not in a cash strap position where I, I, I am fortunate enough to be afforded the ability to sit back and just, you know, enjoy, enjoy life with, uh, with family and friends. Um, you know, as, uh, as I mentioned to you in some correspondence, I lost a very, very dear friend a couple of weeks ago at 56 years old. And it brings, it really grounds you to what's important in life. Uh, work, work is important because it pays for things. Uh, you know, your friends and family is what brings you joy, happiness, and peace in life. And really for now, if something great comes along, awesome. You know, I'll, I'll definitely investigate it, look at it, see what the potential is for it. And if it adds value and it's fun to do, then I'll consider, I'll consider doing it. Uh, for now, it's, you know, surround myself with friends, family, and, and then just enjoy, um, enjoy these years that are ahead. Well, I think that's a, a really moving point to end on and, and some great advice there as well. And I'm sure people would want to get in touch for, uh, for further advice. And so what's the best way for, for people to link up with you? You mentioned, uh, LinkedIn, I, I guess that's, that's the, the platform of choice. LinkedIn is uh, is definitely the best choice for the plat is to to get connected with me. Um, I think I'm the only Peter Bole on LinkedIn, and I've got a pretty power pose uh, with a yellow shirt and sunglasses. So that's the picture you have to look for. And one area actually that we didn't um, cover that I just wanted to to address as well, if I could, Duncan, is uh, inclusivity. Um, there's there's a greater and greater push today to be more inclusive with respect to your team composition, men, women, white, black, ethnicities, uh, you know, gay, lesbian, non-binary, non however you want to position all of that, you know, to have a great diversity within your team adds value, brings in significantly different viewpoints, and really is, is a driver for change and success as well. Well, I'm really glad that, that you brought up that point, actually, and that, that we had the chance to, uh, to, to cover that today. So, um, well, thank you very much for, for joining us this afternoon. And um, it was a pleasure to, to speak with you and actually a privilege to hear all of the, the, the experiences that you've had. Thank you, Duncan. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, anytime you want to 
have a, a discussion further, I'm always free and available. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.hicks.com.